0: Welcome to the Injury Law Pod, the podcast that explores and demystifies the complex world of personal injury law. Each week, Missouri personal injury attorney Eric Bartlett dives into the legal issues surrounding personal injury cases to help you understand your rights and options when seeking justice and compensation for personal injuries. Join Eric as he shares his experience and real life case studies, interviews guests, and answers your questions about personal injury law. The information Eric shares will help level the playing field if you have a personal injury claim. So sit back, relax, and let's explore the world of personal injury law together. Welcome back to another episode of the Injury Law Pod. The Injury Law Pod, a place where we try to make complicated personal injury matters simple. I'm Eric Bartlett. I'm your host. And 27 years, I've been a personal injury lawyer. I've seen it all in the world of personal injury. I think I've got a lot to offer you here. So I hope you find it useful. And as you can see, I'm sporting my Chiefs gear today. We're getting ready for the Super Bowl. So not sure when this will air, but I uh, just know that I'm very proud of our Chiefs. And I hope they do well in the Super Bowl. So having said all that, I hope you enjoyed the intro music, little Austin Powers flair to it. Again, our purpose here is to be simple and relatively lighthearted, even though it is serious matter, complicated issues. Uh, But again, I don't want to come off intimidating. I just want to try to help you through a process that really overwhelms people when they find themselves in it. So without further ado, today we're going to talk about, again, the anatomy of a car accident injury claim. And specifically today, we're going to talk about just after the accident happens. So we talked about before the accident happens. Hopefully you catch that. And uh, you're able to have been prepared in the event you're in an accident or, again, learn things that you already have in place that are going to be helpful to you. Then we talked about the accident itself, what you need to be thinking about in that moment. And now we're going to talk about the things that you need to know right after you've been hurt in a car accident. And if it's somebody else's fault, especially, then what you need to be doing to preserve your claim and moving forward on your injury claim. So number one, you need to get medical treatment. Now, a lot of times, well, first, I guess we can um, dispense with the issue if for some reason you are seriously hurt and an ambulance has been called, and you're taken away by ambulance, then you're probably on the road to getting medical treatment. You are probably being taken to an emergency room, and you're going to be tended to there. Now, what you have to keep in mind with an emergency room is that only so much can get done. And by that, they're going to Get you in there, they're going to examine you, obviously, figure out if you've got major injuries. They're going to do x-rays, depending on what your complaints are. They may do a CT scan, a CAT scan of some parts of your body. They can do it of your head, of your abdomen. You know, just depends on where your complaints are. But basically, the job of the emergency room doctors is to stabilize emergent issues. So, once that occurs and they've got you stable, either they're going to release you to home or if for some reason you have really serious injuries, they're going to get you admitted into the hospital for follow-up. But what you have to know is that your emergency room visit is probably just the beginning. Unless, of course you get checked out, there's nothing broken and you go home and you start recovering and just not much more comes of it. Um, Generally speaking, the emergency room is the beginning point of where treatment is going to begin. I may have just said that twice, the beginning point of where it's going to begin. But I guess my whole point is, It's a starting point. And again, if you're taken by ambulance and you've gone to the emergency room, then some of this doesn't apply because you're already on the road to medical treatment. But there's obviously a lot of car accidents where somebody is not taken away by ambulance. But that certainly doesn't mean they're not hurt. It just means that they're not gushing blood. At the moment, they can use all their appendages, their arms, their legs. Uh, They're speaking and thinking clearly. And so they have no reason to be taken away in an ambulance to an emergency room. What I often see happen is people are in an accident. They get home. They start settling down. The adrenaline starts settling down and they start feeling pretty rough. And whether that's within a few hours or whether it's overnight, uh, whatever that looks like, our body generally starts reacting to the trauma that was experienced and it starts tightening up. It starts... Reacting in painful ways. And at that point, people think maybe I need to go get checked out. So at this point, it's kind of crucial because a lot of people just kind of have that question mark of, well, is it bad enough? Do I really need to go get seen? Am I making more of this than it really is? And I'm here to tell you if you've been in a car accident, and you are feeling sore, you're not feeling good, however that is, you need to go get checked out. And if for no other reason, if you don't get checked out right away, and you decide, I'm going to try to tough it out. Well, first off, you might have something bigger going on than you realize, and you probably should have had a doctor looking at you. But the other thing is, let's say you go three weeks, a month, longer, and you've kind of been experiencing a problem, but you've just been reluctant to go see a doctor. Well, now all of a sudden you're in complaining about this issue. Let's say it's a month down the road. Well, that does not look great. An insurance company will jump on that as a reason to deny your claim. Because, unfortunately, being tough is not rewarded in these situations. You, When you create a gap in your treatment, you give the insurance company every reason to argue that, obviously, you didn't really have a serious injury. Or, you know, what happened over the course of the last month that is now become a problem for you. It just opens up so many arguments. So the best way to proceed if you're in a car accident, and obviously it's a significant event, you need to go get checked out sooner rather than later. So either go to your primary care doctor, something like that. You know, here's my thoughts. Don't run to the emergency room unless you have an emergent issue. So for example, let's say you go ahead and decide to go home, but a few hour later, you're in excruciating pain or you're having problems thinking, whatever that looks like, right? I mean, you obviously can kind of figure out what a more urgent, emergent situation looks like. Okay, go to the emergency room. But if it's something, let's say you wake up the next morning after an accident and you're really sore feeling pretty rough, call your regular doctor and get in and see them. That would seem to make sense. You go to an emergency room, they're only going to do so much for you. They may not even want to prescribe you any real pain medicines because they don't know you. And today, with the opioid crisis, emergency rooms are very hesitant to prescribe the heavier-duty pain meds. Uh, But, you know, your doctor that knows you well just very uh, likely will do more than an emergency room for you. But again, if you have an emergency type situation or an urgent situation, then go to the emergency room. But either way, make sure you go get medical attention because it's always easier to have done it and nothing more comes of it than it is to realize down the road, you've got an issue, and this is the first time there's going to be a record of it. Um, so yeah, that's it. You know, go sooner rather than later, and uh, don't wait, just don't wait. I, I can't say it enough. Um, the other thing is is if you're getting medical treatment, then make sure you're doing what medical people are telling you to do. So if your doctor says, "You know, we probably ought to get you into some physical therapy." then make sure that happens. Make sure you go and do the physical therapy your doctor has prescribed for you. Because again, if you don't, an insurance company is going to say, well, clearly this wasn't a big deal. You didn't even follow through on the treatment. And, you know, we're, we're not going to value this claim very highly. So make sure you do what your doctor tells you. If they prescribe you medicine, go to the, store, get the medicine, and take the medicine. And uh, if you need to you know, just rest, relax, whatever, that's what the doctor's telling you, then do it. But it's really important to follow those directions. The other thing to be careful about is getting over-treated by somebody. There are chiropractors out there, and a lot of people will seek out chiropractic care after an accident. For one the majority of chiropractors are willing to treat you and wait for a settlement to get paid. So this is a pretty attractive option for a lot of people because either they don't have health insurance or they're worried about having to pay something, even if they've got health insurance. There's obviously a lot of times deductibles, and so there's going to be out-of-pocket costs. And so they think, well, I'll go to a chiropractor. That doctor says they will provide me treatment and I don't have to worry about it till there's a settlement. And there's plenty of good chiropractors that will treat you reasonably, but there are those out there that just want to overtreat. And so what happens is if you end up with one of those, some pretty outrageous bill comes along down the road and the insurance company says, no way. We are not paying all of this bill because if you had gone through, say your regular doctor, a medical doctor, you know, they may have first prescribed some medicine for you, told you to take it easy, whatever. And then if it didn't get better in a couple of weeks or a month or you know, whatever that looks like, then they might've ordered some physical therapy and physical therapy is probably going to be a couple times a week, you know, for a month. And meanwhile, you've been going to this chiropractor four times a week for a month, you know, whatever, $250 each time. So a thousand dollars a week. You know, one month's time, you got four or five thousand dollar bill and the insurance company is going to say, you know, if you had gone to primary care doc, got some medicine, maybe starting on some physical therapy, you know, we're talking you might have a thousand or two thousand dollars in medical bills. So keep that in mind. Make sure you're seeking care that seems equal to what's going on. And again, there's plenty of chiropractors out there that provide reasonable treatment and it gets people healed up. So when you're out there looking if if that's the route that you're thinking about, just keep that in mind because it could become a problem down the road when you're trying to get your legal claim resolved. But the sum of all of this is don't wait, go Get some kind of medical evaluation if you're in pain, if you're having limitations, if this is something that you just think could become a bigger deal. And make sure when you go, you're mentioning all the areas of your body that you're feeling pain problems with. Because again, things that don't get mentioned early on show up later. To be a problem. So that's one of the first things you need to do after an accident. Actually, that's the first thing. It's the most important thing, making sure you're getting taken care of because you've been injured. So then what? Well, another important item on the list is you're going to need to get the police report. So you'll remember from the previous episode, talked about the importance of getting the police to the scene. So that we have good records of what happened, what people are saying, all the things. Evidence, if, if it's there, has been noted. So the police is a big deal, right? Police involvement. So now, after the accident, got to get the police report. Generally speaking, police reports don't come out. for uh, It takes about seven to ten days. It can take longer sometimes for whatever reasons, not entirely clear. Uh, It just depends on the police department, but generally speaking, seven to 10 days. Now, this can create some problems because a lot of times insurance companies, just like you, are waiting to get the police report to see exactly what was said and what was found out about this accident. So you're waiting, you're trying to get something going as far as your property damage to your car, a rental car, all those things. And you're not getting very far, very fast with the other driver's insurance because you're waiting on a police report. If the other driver doesn't cooperate with their insurance company They don't either contact them or they don't respond when the insurance company is contacting them. Then the insurance company for the other driver is waiting on that police report to see what was going on. So the delay in the police report can be problematic for sure. And again, sometimes the more serious the accident, the longer it can take. If there's criminal charges coming out of the accident, the longer it can take. So sometimes what has to happen is you have to find out who that other driver is and or probably more importantly, who their insurance is. And again, if it's a serious accident, you're taken away by ambulance, whatever that looks like. You may not have gotten that information. So you may need to be following up with the police department, trying to get this information from them so that you can move things forward. And it just can be really hard. It really can. But that's sort of that overview is you've got to get the police report as soon as you can. And if, if that's not coming forward, then you got to take other steps to try to get connected with the other driver's insurance. So police report, that would be second, second step after medical treatment, getting that so that you know what was said, what was done. Um. Okay. In the meantime as well, you may be establishing the claim with the insurance company. So what insurance company, right? Well, it depends. So if the other driver has insurance, Obviously, you're going to want to establish a claim with that driver's insurance, with that driver's insurance. So, again, this is where it gets difficult because you may be waiting on the police report, but you may have to take steps to contact the police to get the information so that you can get things moving. Because, again, you're sitting there without a car, you know, haven't been given any clear guidance on rental cars. Um, Now you do have your own insurance and depending on what coverage you have, maybe you can go ahead and start moving forward with your own coverage. If you want to do that, you can have them evaluating the damage to your car. If you have rental car coverage, you can get a rental car through your own coverage. And then what happens is assuming the other driver does have insurance somewhere down the road, your insurance is going to go after the other driver's insurance for what they paid out on your car. And if they paid out rental car expense, those types of things. So you can certainly work with your own insurance. It's not your fault. So they're not supposed to raise your rates for this. And again, if it kind of speeds things up so that you're not sitting there without a vehicle, if you need to get to work or all the other things that, you know, living requires to have a transportation, then you can go through your own. But here's what we've got to remember. You're entering the danger zone. cue the top gun music at this point. all right, nobody's gonna cue any music. This is the danger zone when you start connecting with these insurance companies, you really gotta you gotta put on your your shield or have your shield put on your armor because even your own insurance company may not be your friend. so what does that look like? Well, if the other driver ends up not having insurance and you're going to be making an uninsured motorist claim, then your insurance company essentially steps into the role of the other driver. So now all of a sudden, well, not that they were ever your friend, but they're really not your friend because they're now defending a claim. So you're going to be making a claim for uninsured motorist benefits with your own company. So you want money from them. So they have every reason to, like I say, act like the other driver, defend the claim. That means everything from how the accident happened to what your injuries are, what your treatment is. Did you have lost wages? And really the most important thing is everything you went through, the harms, the losses, which is obviously thrown about. Uh, in today's culture as pain and suffering. And really, if you've ever gone through anything like this, it's interesting because it truly is everything that you go through in dealing with injuries, treatment, pain, all of that. That's really the biggest, the disruption in your life. And that's the biggest stuff with all of these. So, you, you've entered the danger zone when you start talking to insurance companies and you got to be on guard. So what does that mean? Well, when you're contacting insurance companies, including your own, you obviously want to tell them what happened, tell them about your injuries, tell them if you're missing work, whatever that looks like, but you don't want to give recorded statements. Make sure you always lodge this in your brain somewhere. You do not want to give an insurance company a recorded statement. Why, Eric? Why don't you want to give a recorded statement? I mean, they kind of made it sound like that's what has to happen. Well, it doesn't have to be recorded. If it's your own insurance company, you have to cooperate with them. And you have to tell them what's going on. But you don't have to let them record it. And and the reason for that is because when it gets recorded, they now have, as we might say, they, they've had one bite at the apple already. So if this thing carries down the road and becomes a bigger deal and gets into a lawsuit somewhere, some way, somehow, someday, then you're going to have to give a deposition. And a deposition is where you sit down with a with a lawyer for the insurance company and a court reporter. Uh, And hopefully at that point, you've got your own lawyer, but you're going to have to testify under oath as to what happened and what your injuries were and all the things. And now if they have a transcript of a recording that you gave them sometime before, that's going to make an appearance. And They're going to love nothing more than to trip you up on any little inconsistency, whatever it may be, that they think they can use to help diminish your claim, deny your claim, whatever it is. And the problem is, if we go back to where we are in all of this, you are in the stage of just after the accident. So think about it. You got a lot going on. It's stressful. Trust me. Not only have I been involved personally, but I've dealt with thousands of people that have been in accidents and I know it's stressful. There's so much going on. Like I said, this disruption in our lives, people don't realize it unless they've gone through it. It's a big deal. It's stressful. You're, you're thinking about again, no car, what that looks like for getting to work or getting kids to school meanwhile you're in pain you're trying to figure out again how to get to doctors what they're telling you, you about your injuries you know what you're looking like uh, for a recovery period you're it, it may have been a, an emotional event i mean it can be traumatic to be involved in an accident and you may not even, you know, you may be nervous about getting back in a car. I mean, there are just so many things. And meanwhile, you have an insurance adjuster that says, Hey, let me record what you're going to say right now. A few days after this accident about what you remember, what happened, what you think you've injured, how you feel. Let's talk about your work. Let's talk about, you know, what about uh, prior to this? Has you ever had any problems with any of these areas of your body that you're having issues with now? And you're having to think all, through all this. So, if it's not recorded, there's no transcript for somebody to literally transcript everything you said, right? Was uh, recorded and then somebody typed it out and made a transcript of what you said. So, now there's not a transcript. And so, you know, if an insurance adjuster is trying to uh, play any funny games when they're asking you questions, you're hazy on things. Well, later on down the road, when a lawyer's asking you questions under oath, you swore to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help you God. Okay, now there isn't anything there to say, well, now, you know, back when you talked to the insurance company, Two years ago, two days after the accident, you said this. And you're sitting there going, wow, I don't even remember that. That time was pretty crazy. Oh, you knew I had a concussion, right? And my brain was foggy. And this adjuster, I don't even remember the adjuster taking my recorded statement. Okay, you see, you get the point, right? There's no future in having a recorded statement because it's just not. It's not going to be accurate. And what you say initially, once you've had time for the fog to clear, it could be a whole different story. And, you know, now you're testifying under oath. And so you're probably going to be much more accurate on your memory and the things that you've gone through. So, all right, the danger zone dealing with insurance companies. So no recorded statements. What else is in the danger zone? Well, Also in the danger zone is something we've seen insurance companies doing lately, which is trying to settle claims on the quick. So you reach out, let's say you finally get in touch with the other driver's insurance and you tell them, yeah, I went to the emergency room or, you know, I ambulance took me to the emergency room and I got checked out. Now I'm doing this and they're like, hey, listen, here's the thing. I've got a deal for you. Okay. They're not going to say it like that, but there's a good chance they're going to tell you, Hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay the ambulance bill. We're going to pay the ER bill and we're going to give you $500 for having to go through all this. So I can get the paperwork over to you. I can get it over to you today. Just, uh, do you have that emergency room bill? Do you have the ambulance bill? You got anything to send me? Cause we can get this wrapped up right now. Okay. danger, danger, danger. Now, why would they want to do that? Why would they want to close this out right now? I mean, they don't even know. You don't even know the extent of what's going on here. Well, because they would love to close the claim out and be forever, ever, ever, ever. (laughs) Very dramatic. Yes. They want to forever close out the claim so that you're done. You cannot go back to them ever again on this accident, on your injuries, and you don't even know the extent of what is wrong with you. And it's happening more and more. We're seeing this a lot. What we used to see, and we still see it, but like I said, now there's been a little shift. We used to see just the denial game. So you call and you say, you know, you set up the claim with the insurance company and Then they're like, yeah, we don't, mm, we're not really believing that. Tell us about your severely fractured arm. Did you have problems with that arm before this accident? Now, I know you had a very severe fracture, had to have emergency surgery. They had to put like a rod in your arm. Had you ever complained about that arm before this accident? We don't believe that what you're complaining about now is any different than what you had in the past. So yeah, we're going to deny the claim. We're not paying you any money. They used to just do all kinds of denial games, just treat people terribly. People normally call us and they're not in good spirits. They're all jacked out of gear with the insurance company because the adjuster's rude, the adjuster's questioning everything that they're telling them. And that used to be, the primary game now they're taking a little bit of a different tact on this and it's more of a hey it's okay we got you i tell you what let's get this wrapped up we're gonna pay your bills we'll give you a little bit of money for having to go through all this we'll send the paperwork over get it signed we're done yeah okay so that's not good so anyway be mindful when you start talking to insurance companies they're not your friends i don't care if it's yours or the other drivers, or whoever's. Because again, there's a good chance you may be making a claim on your own. The other possibility is underinsured motorist coverage. If for some reason the other driver's insurance ends up not being enough, then you're going to need to do a claim on your own coverage. So again, just remember when you're dealing with your own coverage, they very well could become your enemy down the road. And not that they're your friend from the beginning. They're an insurance company. They're a business. They have one job. Take premiums, assess risk, pay as little as they have to on a claim. But people often think, I've had X insurance company for 25 years. I've always been loyal. They'll treat me well. Eh." No, they won't. They won't. They don't care. Now they're faced with a claim, and their job is to handle the claim in the best benefit to them. All right. Finally, rental car. We talked about it already a little bit. uh, But yes, you want to make sure that you're working to get that rental car. If you have to take an Uber, keep the receipts. Again, if you're in that period where you can't get in touch with insurance companies, you know, if you got to get someplace, you got to get someplace. And then you can submit some bills later on. And whether you go out and you get a rental car through your own credit card, you can submit the bill later. Here's the deal. If you were driving a uh, Prius, don't go out and get a Lamborghini as a rental car because they're only going to pay you essentially equal to what you are replacing. And also, if you had anything damaged in the accident, glasses, clothing, a laptop, all that stuff, you can make a claim on that. And you'll just need to be able to prove it. You'll have to prove the damage. You'll have to prove, you know, what it cost, what the value of those things was or is. But those are all areas of uh, damage you can claim. And you got to remember this finally is that none of this, none of these insurance uh, policies through the auto coverage are going to be paying you bill by bill. They're going to pay you your property damage, in theory, uh, pretty quickly after the accident. But as far as your injuries, so medical bills, lost wages. So while you're missing work, you're not going to be getting paid weekly or anything like that. You're going to be keeping a tally. And hopefully you you have like sick benefits or something like that. You can utilize those and then you could still make the claim for your missed time because you just had to use sick benefits, a benefit of yours because of somebody else's fault. So you can make a claim for your lost wages, but all of that stuff. And of course, again, pain and suffering, that's going to be a one-time settlement down the road. And You don't want to rush that. We'll talk about that more in later episodes. So, there it is. You now know what you need to be thinking about right after an accident so that you don't make any mistakes. And I will plan on seeing you and talking to you on the next episode of the Injury Law Pod.